This is the No Bull Sessions Podcast, hosted by Richard Bull. Feel the music and enjoy discussions about some of the greatest songs of our time. Just music, no bull. Yeah, so today we're going to talk to Linel Andragi. He's a friend and he's a touring musician from Brazil. He's toured with some of the most famous artists in the country of Brazil and has been living in Los Angeles, touring, writing, and producing music for several years now. Man, you gotta listen to Linel. He has a whole bunch of awesome, great tidbits and advice for everybody, like the three things you need to know if you want to be a touring musician. What do you do while you're on tour? How are you supposed to behave? And he has another tip that I think is really cool. He says, play the song like the record, but put your sauce into it. You'll see, you'll hear him say that. He talks about PTD. I didn't even know what that was. It's post-tour depression. So some uh, musicians get that when they come off tour. He also talks about while on stage, you don't break character, even if you make a mistake. You'll hear him talk about that in more detail too. Man, we talked about so much stuff. Conversations about society, homelessness, songwriting stories, having songs come to you while you're dreaming and then writing it down and making it like an amazing hit song. We even broke down a song called Aqualung by Jethro Tull and talked about those details. That's where we looped in the whole homelessness piece and all that. Anyways, there's just way too much to cover in one podcast. So we'll come back, we'll add other episodes, future podcast episodes where we'll talk about those different items. It's too much to squeeze into this one. This podcast episode, however, we're focusing on Linel and his stories, his experience as a touring musician, and we have a ton of stories for you. I really hope you guys enjoy it. It's awesome. Check it out. I want to talk to you, ask you about you as a live musician, okay. you know, playing on stage, being an axe man with a guitar. Mm-hmm. And you were recently on a really big tour yeah. where you guys did Auditorio Nacional in Mexico. I don't know how many nights. You did a Staples Center, sold out two nights. Madison Square Garden, basically the most famous Hollywood venues. Bowl. Hollywood Bowl. Thank you. The most famous venues and big venues in the world. And you're not like a background guitar player. You're an integral part of the show. You... You interact with the lead singers of the show. You're, you have your part, and you're actually right in the front of the stage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole nother level of touring. Yes, um, but it's not something that that's come, that comes from our background. Um, I started playing professionally really young. Uh, I was twenty years old when I started playing with this uh, huge uh, country artist in Brazil. And then I got a, I just got a call from my friend that they wanted him to be the guitar player. I was, I was super young, so I, was, I wasn't even in, the, in the, the scene yet. I was just, I just got out of high school. It was just, I was just playing guitar. Was, I, I, I never thought too much about it um so what happened was so they asked my friend he was older and then he said you know what i'm i'm, I'm cool i'm doing a lot of studio work i don't want to go on the road so you should call this this guy he's young and he'll do it he'll do it well so they called me 
and it was my first first call that I got for a gig like that. I was like, oh, that's great. Hey, so here are the songs. I, actually, back then there was no uh, MP3s or anything like that. It was just like so. Get to the to the management uh, office, get the CD, and then go home and listen to the songs. Okay, so I got there, I got the CD, went home, listened to all the songs. Um, back then, I I didn't write uh, my charts. I didn't know how to write anything. I I'm self-taught. I. I have no idea how to do anything. Now I do, I write my own charts, but back then I, I had no idea how to do it. I would, I would just play guitar. And uh, went to the first rehearsal. There was, it was guitar, bass, uh, two keys, uh, three background vocalists, and the singer. And, uh, and drums, of course, I forgot drums. Uh, and then one of the keyboard players, he was the MD for that band. MD is musical director. Musical director, yes. yes. And then, so we did the rehearsal with her, and it was great. It was everything, like, you learn the songs, how they are in the record, and that's how she wants you to play it. So that's how I played it. I learned it. And then I put my own stuff because I learned by ear. And then, okay, so this is my interpretation that's for me that's a, that's an important part whenever you play an instrument that somebody asks you to play like the record play like the record play the notes like the record but put your sauce in it mm. that's 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 you so i did it and it was, rehearsal was great and all and then it was a six hour rehearsal we were like tired after the rehearsal and then when we were we were walking out she called and says, hey guys, uh, if somebody has an idea for the intro of the show, bring it, bring it tomorrow. I would like to hear it. Everybody said, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So I went home and I sat down with my guitar and my, I had a, a, it was called a Roland PMA-5. It was a, a, a sequencer. It's like all MIDI, it's crappy, but it worked. And then I remember I sat down. I was listening to all her songs that I had in my head. I said, oh, maybe I should do a, a medley of all these songs, like like super instrumental, like just a, an intro. And I did it. I programmed it, and I recorded on my. I had a, a, a Tascam four track recorder. I recorded like with bass and guitar, and that's it. Never thought too much about it. Just bounce it down. There you go. The very next day, we had another rehearsal. And then we started the rehearsal. She talked to the MD and all of that, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, so is anybody has an idea? Does anybody have an idea for for the intro? And nobody said anything. And I said, well, I had like a sketch or something. She said, all right, let me hear it. So I said, okay, here we go. And then she listened. She said, yeah, I love this. I love this idea. This is great. You know what? I think it should be our MD. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And I was... <laughs> What I'm 20. I don't know anything. I can't. I. I I'm not. What a, did the current MD just, do? What was he looking at you like? No, I want to kill you or what? No, like he's 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 a good friend. He said like, you deserve it, man. You did a great job. Like I had no, I didn't have an energy to do it. You you had it, so you should do it. You should do it. And then I became the MD for this huge uh, country artist in Brazil when I was 20. Um, I stayed with her for two years. <laughs>
I didn't know how to behave on stage and all. I just was, like I was sh super shy, amazingly shy. So I couldn't be, I, I, I didn't know. I, even though I had that, she would always look at me so I could remind her the lyrics because she would forget the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And I, I, as the MD, I would, I, ha I knew everything that would, there was to know about the songs. Back then we didn't use tracks. Everything was organic, so, and I was playing it. And then, so we parted ways two years later. And then I, th I thought to myself, all right, so I need to take care of that stage presence because this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. So I enrolled in a theater company. And uh, within a year, I was the MD of that theater, <laughs> musical theater company in Sao Paulo. But I did learn how to behave on stage, how to never break character, even when you make a mistake. When you're a musician and you're playing with an artist that's established, when the artist looks at you, you look at the artist and you interact with the artist. You just like, that's... A, the artist the energy, is expecting to feed back from you. Yeah. So you do it, you deliver. Doesn't matter if you make a mistake. Deliver that. That part is way more important for the artist than anything else. Have you ever seen, uh, since you've played with a lot of people, uh, an artist coming and trying to engage with somebody on stage and the person does not engage oh, yeah. back? Oh, How yeah. long do they last? No, um, I don't, I don't like, know. Have because you ever I've seen it where they're like, you know what? That guy, I don't like him, he's out. Uh, they last at, at least for one tour, and then that's it. Like, if you don't get, because... But like, you haven't seen, like, an immediate James Brown situation where, like, boom, mm, you're, you, 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 today, you just went over the line, you're out. Like, I've done. heard of a story, though. I've never seen it, and I don't know how truthful this story is, but there's this artist in Brazil. Most of my stories are from Brazil. We love stories yeah. here. Bring yeah. us, bring right. them stories. Come so on. there's this artist from Brazil that... Again, I'm going to remain them nameless because I think that's... Can you tell us what genre they're in? It's rock. Nice. Rock. Okay. And, oh, that reminds me, and I have another story later on in my career, but it's fine. Uh, so this artist in Brazil, he's unique. He's, uh, he's quirky in a, in a way. So he has this thing, his, this thing that he never talks to the musician. He only talks to the MD. And then he tried to interact with the guitar player that was on... Uh, on show to, uh, with him, but there was a, a sound check, and the guitar player was just looking at the guitar. He was trying to figure all the parts that he was playing. It didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't like making mistakes at all. He just he stopped in front of the guitar player, looked at the MD, and said like, "Hey, MD, tell your guitar player to look at me when I'm looking at him, okay?" And then the guy was just like. What? What's going on? I don't. I don't even know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then somehow it happened again. He didn't make it to the next show. <laughs> the second time was that a sound check or was it like on, I don't know. Uh, I don't show? know. I don't know. I completely believe that story, man. I mean, you know, we've seen some crazy stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, then <laughs> uh, later on, so that was when I was started playing with the country artist. Was in two thousand. Was in nineteen ninety nine. In 2007, I started playing with this big, big rock and roll guy in Brazil that I grew up listening to this music. Like all his uh, 80s rock, 
You know him, Lobon. All right, so let me break in here because uh, Lobon was a huge artist from Brazil. He's sort of like a bad boy, Brazilian rocker, a bit of a Lenny Kravitz vibe. He's very cool, super famous. Some of his biggest songs include Me Chama, which translates to Call Me, and Vida Bandida, which is The Criminal Life, but in a more playful manner. So that's Lobon. That's a little bit about the background. To be able to tour with him is a massive, massive deal. It's huge. So congrats, Lunel. Let's hear your story now. I grew up listening to Mishama, like everything, um, Vida Bandida, all of that. I grew up and then one day I saw myself playing with him as a guitar player. And then, but Lobon is, is he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a bright, super intelligent guy, but he's chaotic in his mind. So he's one of those people that he tells you something and then next second he forgets that. Hmm. And then I remember like he told me that happened. Oh, he must be an artist. (laughs) So he told me, I want for this song you play this and this chord and like this, okay? I said, all right. So we went to soundcheck. First song, all right, let's play that. I started the song. Stop! Damn it! On the microphone open for everybody to listen to. Damn it, what do you think you're doing? Blah, 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 blah. And they just trashed me. Newspaper people were at the, uh, the <laughs> venue and they made a note that he just slashed at me <laughs> at Soundcheck. Oh my God, your friends and family must have been having a field day laughing yeah, at you. Yeah, it was just like, ah, oh. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, but that's it, it happens. All those things happen. And one thing that's important, that's my take. Never take it personally. It's never personal. Don't take it personally. It goes in the bad way and in the good way as well. Oh, good point. Okay, so in a bad way, don't take it personally. They're just, it's, it's not for you. It's for the position that you hold. The good one, the fans especially, because I know a lot of musicians that they get caught up with the fans of the, the artist. Right. And then they're just like, oh, I'm famous. Like all these people, they like me. No, they don't, they don't like you. They like the artist and they like the position you hold. So all this attention that you get after when you, when you just walk, out, walk off stage, right then the people want to take pictures of you. That's not you. They want to take pictures. They want to take pictures with that artist musician. That's not you. They don't know your name. Proximity to their superstar exactly. idol. Right? How have you seen? I'm sure you have because I have too. But um, you know, musicians or friends get just too caught up with the fame monster and just completely destroy their lives from going on tour. Oh yeah, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. But we all know that being a musician is cyclical because mm. there's a there's a way. Uh, so you get hired to do a job and then you go on tour and then you go on tour for one year and the first few months that you go on tour you still get calls from people that want to hire you to do this or that but then as the time goes by the world go, the, the word goes around that you're not in town anymore so people stop calling you and then when they stop calling you when you're back and then nobody calls you your phone doesn't ring and then you try to reach out to your friends and then they all thought you were too arrogant 
Right. So you have nobody and you have no work. Because like, oh, come to this uh, party. Oh, sorry, I'm in Spain today. Like, oh, why is he in Spain? Who does he think he is? Da -da -da. It's like, no, this is my job. But I think this is, to me, really intriguing. It's like life of a musician on the road because for a year, a year and a half, you're the most popular person. You're going to like the best hotels, the coolest cities, the most amazing venues, the energy, the after parties, the meals, there's per diem. You're making good freaking money. And some people save it because they know when they come back, it's going to be a little dry. Other people just spend, 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 yeah. spend. And so you're living like the life. And then all of a sudden, and you're exhausted at the end. You're like, I just want it to end. I just want it to end. It ends. It's like silence for like three, four or five days. And you're like, now what? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's extreme. You know, and these kind of things, like, I kind of understand like the artist and musician life of like, how you go into like the whole drug world because it's so many drastic ups and downs. It's really unnatural. It's it's uh, it's kind of it's depressing. It uh, actually there's a term that's uh, post tour depressing. <laughs> it's post tour depression. That it's actually PTA, P, yeah, PTD. That's actually a thing. For anybody who's listening to this that uh, might be uh, aspiring to be a, a touring musician, there are three things that this guy told me years ago, and I live by these three rules. My three rules are be ready. If an artist calls you and, oh, to hear the songs, just sit down. Don't sleep. Learn the songs. Sleep if you have time. Just learn it. Be professional. Just get there and play whatever the artist is expecting you to play. Make yourself indispensable for the artist. Nice. Second one is always get to the rehearsal venue, airport, meeting point, whatever. Half an hour earlier than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Always. Doesn't matter if you're going to sleep less. Doesn't matter. Get there early. Because when you get that early, you show whoever is hiring you that you care, that that thing is important to you. And nobody wants to work with anybody that doesn't think that their work is not important. They always get there early. Always. You've seen me, Richard, playing. You know that I'm the first one to get to any That's rehearsal. True. You know what? And then you always remember the ones that are late. Exactly. Those are the ones you remember. And yeah. you're like, man, it's just so embarrassing. You, yes. You, it's just such a bad look. It's almost like sabotaging your own career. Exactly. And you then can't do that. when you get early every time, when you do need to get late, people don't care. They That's go, yeah, true. no, take your time. Yes, it's fine. I, I'm sure something happened. You're fine. It happened to me. I had, uh, I was like maybe an hour later. Because I was I was caught up in another appointment, and then I called the artist. And said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I cannot get there on time. I'm gonna be an hour later. It's fine. You you earn it. You have lots of credits. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And the third one, that's really important, and you as a, a manager, you agree with me, is that do not complain. 
Hmm. Once everything is negotiated, that's it. You can't ask for a raise in the middle of a tour. You no, no. can't. <laughs> you can't. It's been, you, you said yes to this pay and to these terms for this tour, so don't complain. You might get it for that tour, but you will not get called back for the next exactly. one. Exactly. So do not complain. Renegotiate when it's time to renegotiate for the next one. Then you can sit down and say, you know what? Maybe for this one, I wish I could get a little more. And renegotiate, and that's fine. And then if they agree, again, it's fine. They are not going to back out in the middle of the tour. And you should not back out on your end in the middle of the tour. So be ready. Get there early. Do not complain. That's the three golden rules that I live by. Guys, that's worth a lot of money right now. So pay attention to Linnell. You know, let me talk about some dirty stuff, right? Because, uh, you know, we, we, we know how musicians can behave on tour. Okay. The girls, the strip clubs, the drinks, the drugs, whatever the heck they do. Um, what's a story or somebody that you know or someone that you've seen that's just gone out of control that just takes it crazy far? That has, I mean, I've been on tour with certain musicians that have like a girlfriend in every single city. We go back to the same cities year after year, and it's just like every single city. I'm just like, I don't understand how you can possibly keep up with that. I mean, these guys are like single at the time, whatever, they're crazy, but I'm just like, I don't understand how you can handle this much drama. I mean, I, I just can't. But you must have some really cool stories. There's this guy that I know, uh, he's an older cat lives in Brazil, plays with the the, the most famous um, country artist there. He would be equivalent to Willie Nelson here. And uh, he's been playing with this guy for over 30 years now. I don't know I can say his name. His name is Clayton, right? And Clayton has 22 kids. Holy crap. <laughs> of those 22 kids, only two are with the same woman. Oh my god! And what different cities? Everything, different and that's cities. the ones that he knows about. Oh my god! <laughs> Twenty-two kids. Uh, any of these with a uh, wealthy mom or sugar probably mama? Not. Because probably not. Oh my god! So he's got to pay so, out. No, no. So that's the thing. So he has an actual um, uh, how can how do you call it? A certificate of poverty. Oh shit. He does. The government gave him that. <laughs> oh, my God. Otherwise, he can't pay alimony oh to everybody. Oh, God. This is crazy. And that's what Clayton, I'm saying. Clayton, Clayton, Clayton. Dude, keep it together, bro. Dude, 22 kids, only two with the same woman. Now, whenever the 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 agent comes to, uh, to his house with the papers for uh, paternity um, test, like, his wife just... Welcomes him with with uh, with some coffee and cookies. Hey, you're here again. So hey, come in. She says, here you go. Oh my like she's God. used to it now. She says, All right, that's... she's over it. That's yeah. what he does. That's what and it that's... is. It's not worth fighting about it anymore. And that just so he has 22 kids that he knows of. I have no idea how many kids he has that he doesn't know about. And probably more than double the amount. Probably. And then all the girls that he didn't get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's way more than that. 
that he's been sleeping around oh my with God. no protection oh my for God. over 30 years. Dude, I don't really know how to follow that up with any more questions <laughs> on that one. Jesus. That guy, is, he's, like, he's... And everybody, we, everybody makes fun of him every time. Yeah, every sure. time no, because oh, it's, it goes Clayton. It's yeah, it's it gets it gets funny after some point, because it's like he's been touring Brazil for over thirty years. He's been everywhere, literally. He's been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Every nook and cranny. Well, if it works for him, God bless him. I don't think it's working that well for him right now, but whatever. Uh, Okay, so there must be a tip or a lesson there, but I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah, right. Uh, keep it together. Yeah. All right, so here we are at the last and final part of our podcast. Okay. I'm going to come to you with the six questions on the house. Oh, Same nice. questions that we ask every guest. Okay. You ready? Okay. Who was your first concert? It was this band, rock and roll band in the 80s in Brazil. It's called RPM. Hmm. Uh, 43. Exactly. It was that one. And uh, it was I was eight years old and my dad told me, hey, so you want this truck, this little toy truck as a gift? And I said, no, I want to go to their show. And my dad, okay, I don't know if you can go, but I'll, I'll ask around. And then he went there, he asked, and then they said I could go. So I went to that show. And oddly enough, one of my best friends today in Brazil is producing Paulo Ricardo's album. That's where was the singer. Wow. And so I told him, dude, whenever you're with him, call me. I just want to talk to him. I'm going to say to him that when I was eight, it was my first show. That's super cool. You know, um, quick story. Um, so I say, olhar 43. So that's like, look 43. It's kind of like this special like Zoolander look kind of thing. I guess is what it would translate to way before Zoolander yeah. in a way. But uh, yeah, that song was just massive. Uh, anyways, I one of my first gigs, and I just can't remember if it was with Polygram at the time or with Warner. I think it was with Warner. And, um, you know, I dealt with all the artists that came from anywhere in the world into the U.S., uh, especially the Latin world. And Paulo Ricardo had his um, solo album then. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I looked at him like, this guy looks really familiar. I'm like, where do I know him from? Then I realized, I'm like, this is so, how cool. I'm working the guy from RPM. Yeah. Hey, baby. That's so cool. Anyways, this is your story, not mine. Your favorite song or the song that's had the biggest impact in your life? There's so many because. They all in different parts of your life, you have like soundtrack to for your life. But I think that the song that always, always gets me all teared up. It's it's Hey Jude. Hey Jude by by the Beatles by Paul McCartney. Right, He's man. one of the best songwriters I've ever seen in my life. I'm yet to see somebody like him. How about John Lennon? I like him, but I like I like I resonate more with Paul McCartney. Yeah, they're both awesome. There's so many good ones. I mean, I I I don't know. I can tell you of probably ten, twenty, twenty-five, maybe fifty 
songwriters and singer songwriters that I just absolutely love. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't. This is a hard question for me. You know, yeah. I mean, no, I, it is. I it's a hard one, but it's. But that's amazing. That you like nailed it. Uh, it's because every time that I listen to that, I get, I choke a little. And you know, when I'm driving, it's just like I can't help it but sing it like that and that outro. I can't help it. And when I saw him live, I was just just crying my heart out when when he sang that. So why does it get to you so much? Because you know what the song's about. Of course you do. But can you tell us? Um, Well, like he wrote that song to Julian Lennon. That was uh, John Lennon's son. Because he he was in love with this girl. And it was, that's it. Like he said, just go out and get her. That's it. Just make the best out of it. All right, man. Um, the biggest music business mistake that you have made. The biggest music mistake, music business mistake I have made. Or an opportunity that you have, may have missed. I missed or, a few opportunities. Or, I mean, I don't want to like skew it for you, but yeah, no, I know. I mean, you've been in the business a while. There's got to be some things you didn't do perfectly well. Oh yeah. Well. Oh. Okay. So. This is, I remember now. Uh, I was called for a session to record some guitars. And uh, I wasn't feeling that well. I was kind of sick. But I, I said, oh, no, I can power through. But when I got there, my ears were clogged. And I could listen. I, I couldn't listen, though. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't play it. And I think that person would never call me again to record anything. Because it was, it was just like, ugh. And I'm pretty sure that a person will never call me again to record anything. Man, if that's your biggest mistake, you're, no, you're a freaking angel. No, okay? uh, I just want you to know that. <laughs> because as far as everybody, you, you qualify as el santo of mistakes in the music business. No, it's because just, shit. I, it's when, it, when it comes to work, I'm really, I'm, I'm really uh, serious about it. I don't, I don't play around with it. It's like it's work. It's not, it's not fun. It's work. I have fun working. But still work. I there's somebody's paying me to be there. I have to take it seriously. Right. Otherwise, people just give me money. Just give me money, then it's fine. So, what's your recommendation for a new artist today? Or what's like this new act that's coming up that you're really into that maybe not that many people know about that you want to recommend to our audience? The high strung. The guy's peachy and all, and all of that, and they're sloppy, and it's not well mixed. But there's something about that band that just works. That I listened to that and said, yes, yes, that, that, that's it. There's, there's, uh, 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 there's something organic about it that is, uh, I want to I wanna hear more from them. Oh, that's cool, man. I want to hear it. And uh, we'll be playing it for all you guys here, and I'll give you guys the links. Uh, here on the podcast so you can uh, check out their stuff that's beautiful so uh, what's the most embarrassing or funniest moment of your career so far okay most embarrassing embarrassing moment is that i was playing with lobone and we were playing in this remote uh, north eastern part of brazil garanhuns it was a festival there was eighty thousand people at this festival and then Lobon is known for a lot of songs but there's this particular song that made him it's called Mishama and I loved playing that song but he hated it hmm. he just hated it he we remember that we were 
about to go on stage, Solo Bone said to me, like, said to us, I'm not playing that song tonight. And we were arguing with him, all the band, everybody in the band. like, dude, don't do it. Let's play that song. Everybody's waiting for that. Your audience is waiting for that. And then he said, no, I won't play it. And he's a, he's a really stubborn guy. And then I won't play it. I won't play it. All right. He said, well, it's your show. You do whatever you want. And then we were, started playing the show and all. Immediately, we started playing. End of first song, audience. Misha, oh, Misha. And he went on mic and said like, I am not playing that song no matter how much you guys ask me. People started throwing bottles at us. And we played two more songs and then we had to leave. Because it was, um, it was like, that was, that was a shame. Jesus, yeah, no, you don't, you don't do that anywhere, but definitely in Brazil. You don't uh, turn against your audience, man. I'm not playing that fucking song today. People just, it's like beer bottles. But you know, it's just like you said, it's your job, right? Yeah, you're getting paid to do that. You got to show up. You know, people are, have that expectation. Yeah. You know, oh man. But, uh, but yeah, I understand, you know, Rolling Stones can't stand playing Satisfaction. But they have to. I don't think they care anymore. But I think it was a, during a certain period of time, probably in like the 70s and 80s, where they were like, enough. But now they're like, whatever, who cares? We're just making money. We're yeah. good. And the Stones are great, by the way. I love their stuff. Yeah. Especially their 70s moments. Uh, I thought that was Did you know, era. like, there's a, 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 just going outside of it. Did you know that NASA sends two songs into the space at all times and there are only two songs that's being broadcasted into the outer space that's Beethoven Ninth and Satisfaction what for years and years now it's that's the only th- two things that's being that's been broadcasted that's a major honor <laughs> it is huh I wonder who's collecting royalties for that in space because <laughs> you know these contracts now they're like you know, you know how they, they're, they're written right they're like yeah. you know in physical whatever digital media anywhere in any territory and the universe alright man what are your non-music hobbies Lately with Netflix, it's just made me lazy as hell. <laughs> I, I just binge watch anything. It's just like anything that's interesting. But I do like reading a lot and I like a lot of documentaries. Well, Linnell, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Uh, it's uh, my pleasure, Richard. Thanks for having me here. I just want to ask you another thing. People probably want to get in touch with you. They might want to follow you. They might want to learn from you. How can they reach you? Okay, uh, I have a website. It's under construction, so but it's www.lineuandrade.com. www.lineuandrade.com. Um, and uh, my Instagram account, it's at lineuandra. That will be L I N E U. A-N-D-R-A. That's it. And we'll have the links here on the show notes so you guys can check it out. So there we go. Thank you so much, Linnell. Awesome stuff. Great stories. Dude, a lot of great lessons from Linnell today, man, (laughs) on how to be a good human being and how to be an amazing musician and how to work on tour and work in the studio. So loved it. Uh, Congratulations. Wishing you uh, tons of luck. Obviously, we work together. So 
I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more in music Hopefully, and the music yes. business. Yes. Yes. Hey, man. Thanks, bro. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Stay safe, guys. This has been the No Bull Sessions podcast, hosted by Richard Bull, found on Instagram at Richard Bull Toro. Make sure to comment on this podcast or leave us a voice note to be featured on future podcasts. We'll see you next time on the No Bull Sessions podcast. Just music, no bull.